So with that being said, um, you know, when we, when we took over this facility a few months ago, um, uh, Destiny Church had gotten to a place where not everything that, that had been developed uh, was actually working. And so we had some issues with this big lighting and electrical piece. And so I, we couldn't figure it out. And so I called uh, John and Mona, and, and John has an electrical company. And, and John came out, and man, he was here for four or five hours, brought his team. They're, they're climbing through the ceiling, and they're checking things, you know, with the electrical stuff. And, and he comes to me, and he says, man, I can't figure it out. I don't know where, I don't know what the problem is. I don't know why this isn't working. He said, if only I had the blueprints. And I went, "Ah, we have the blueprints. And I went in the closet where I'd seen some blueprints and pulled them out. And I said, do any of these work? And he starts going through them. He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. And he grabs and he goes straight to the problem. And And within an hour had the whole thing fixed because he had the blueprints. Come on, somebody. And so I've titled this series, The Architect. And I want to, my goal is by the end of the series, that a couple things will have transpired in you. First and foremost, that you would remember that he is the author and perfecter of our faith. That he is the great architect for humanity. If God designed you, then he knows how you, you work. If he designed you, then he's got a plan for you. And if you'll just get in that plan, life will make sense and life will have value. Are you with me? Say amen. And so as you you kind of look into what an architect is. An architect is a person who designs, plans, and oversees the building of something. Now, I've got John with me. John Pathak is an architect, and, uh, and so he's got, yeah, and he's sexy to boot. Come on, somebody. And single, so we're taking applications. Anyway, so, and so, you know, I called John. I, I, we contacted John. I said, John, uh, you know, hey, I want you to come bring your architecture stuff, you know. And I, I remember back in the day, remember they always had that big, that big piece of thing they set out and it folded up like that, the big table like that. And I was like, you can bring your table. And I was like, well, actually, we don't do that anymore. It's like, that's so old school. And we have this little portable thing that we do now. And most of it we even do on the computer, but we start off with drawings and that kind of stuff. I said, oh, that's, that's good too. So just come and I want you to do architecture stuff. And just architectural while I'm preaching. He goes, all right. So he's going to be up here architecting while I'm preaching about the great architect, God the Father. And as we start into this, I want to look first um, um, in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, we see the first attribute of the living God, according to Scripture, the first attribute we see of God is that He is the creator. He is the great designer. He is the great architect. He starts by designing the world and all of humanity. If you'll read with me in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, you still with me? Say yes. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you've got your Bible, it's on the screens. Now the earth was formless and empty. Everybody say empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering or hovering, excuse me, over the waters. And then over the next few verses, it goes into the six days of creation and what God created. What did he design? How did he do it? What, how, how, what did he make first and what did he make next? And I have a free t-shirt for the person in this room who can take me and tell me day one, he created this. Day two, he created this. Day, and can take me all the way through the six days. Is there anyone willing to attempt to tell us what he created in sequence, day one, day two, day three. Anyone going once, going twice. You were scared. You're scared. We got to get the kids out of the kids' ministry. They ought to be able to do it. You say, Pastor, that's why I come to church. So you'll tell me those things. I don't want to. I don't have that. I don't know a word of what you're talking about. Nobody wants. I'm trying to get a t shirt away. I can't even get you to try it. All right, you big sissies. All right, day one on the first day. Notice I'm looking at my notes as well. <laughs> 
Day one, he created light and dark, or he separated the light from the darkness, and he actually literally called, uh, created light. And um, he says the earth was formless and without void, and it was dark. He created light and dark. On day two, the sea and the sky. So he created the oceans, the sea, and he put the sky. He put the clouds in the sky. He created a sky. There was no sky. There was just a blank sheet of paper, and God began to draft all of his design. He began to write it out and speak it out, and it began to come to life, and it began to happen. And God, the great designer, didn't stop there. On day four, he created the moon, the stars. And the, and, and, and the sun. And uh, did I skip day three? I sure did. On day three, he created the land and the plants, the vegetation. So he takes the middle of these oceans and he puts these oceans all around there and he starts putting land all in the middle of it. And he starts designing it and putting it all down in it. And he starts working a plan. And then he has vegetation come on that land and down in that ocean. And he has that vegeta- vegetation happen. And then he creates on day four the sun, the moon, and the stars. How cool is that? God put the vegetation on the pl- on the planet before he put the animals. Come on, somebody. He knew what he was doing. He put the vegetation on the planet before he put the sun so that the sun could create the photosynthesis to cause those plants to grow, to be able to feed the animals. In the- oh, come on, somebody. And then from there on day five, fish and birds. And day six, land animals and his most prized possession. Anybody know who it is? It's us. He created us in his image. He created us. And the, the revelation that I want you to get and the remembrance that I want you to have is that, I, you know, I struggle with the concept that something bumped into something and created all of us. And, and I really struggle with that. And the reason why I struggle with that is because I like to know where the something came from that bumped into the something. Where did the something that bumped into something come from? See, I believe the scriptures, that the great God, the great architect sat down and he began to design planet earth and he designed the way things would work and he designed that the stars and the moons and how, they, and how the, the earth would rotate around the sun and how the moon would rotate around the earth and how the earth would rotate on its axis that even if it was off by a couple of millimeters would cause the oceans to rip up and splash all over the land it would cause the mountains to split open but in his perfect design he put everything where it needed to be in the moment that it needed to exist and how it needed to exist because he is the great architect. He is the great designer. And if the great designer has taken this much time and this much attention to detail to make sure that the centipede has a hundred legs and the millipede has a thousand legs and that birds eat worms and worms eat whatever and they poop it all up and make plants grow and we eat that, then our God knows the plans he has for us. If he can design the earth To have seasons, and those seasons work. And cause the plants to grow when they're supposed to grow. And cause the ocean to stop at the spot where it's supposed to stop. Then bless God, he can be sure that you make it to heaven. Come on, somebody. He can be sure that your life has fulfillment if you and I will simply go back to his blueprints and begin to live our life by what he originally designed. See, the problem that we have in the earth today is everyone's living their own design. It's a very difficult task. I'm not a contractor, but I've worked with contractors, and they always, they always, there's always this conflict between the contractor and, and the architect. All the contractors said, amen, amen, that's right. Because what happens with the contractors, contractors say, that's dumb. You can't make all that happen. How are we going to do all that? And, and the designer says, absolutely, it'll work. I know what I'm doing. And it, it's amazing to me that, that designers, that, that architects, have in their brain, from, they see the end and all the pieces in between. 
And they can sit there and they can design it. See, he's not just designing the floor plan. He's not just designing the walls and the roof. He's putting the electrical places where they need to be so that you can use it for the instruments that you need to use in the position that you're going to have this, that, and the other. He doesn't just have air-conditioned units. He's got them flowing in the right spot so they get the right coverage so that you, that, that you don't have these dead spots in electricity and in sound and in air. And, all this. and the brilliance that it takes and the attention to detail to make Every bit of it work, and I want you to know the great creator is the greatest architect of all time. And he has planned out your life. He has a plan for you. And he's he's got blueprints that make your life work. If your life's not working, maybe you got the wrong blueprints that you're building with. If you got difficulties, I don't know what the problem is. Maybe you're looking at the wrong set of prints. And today, we're just going to study a little bit. This passage out of Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. It's a beautiful passage. You've heard it quoted a hundred times probably, maybe a thousand. But it's such a beautiful passage because it has the very theme of what we're talking about today in it. And it's this. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Do you realize God has a plan for you? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, if you're a theologian, you're a Bible scholar, you know you can't just rip out a piece of Scripture and start applying it. What you have to do is you've got to go back and put that thing in context. So let me put it in context for you. It's a season where Jeremiah is writing this, and this is a prophetic utterance from the Lord. God gives him a word from the Lord and says, send this to Israel. And what has happened is Babylon has come and has conquered Israel. Israel's done what it's done multiple times. It's gone back to worshiping other gods and are no longer following Jehovah God. And they've gone back into their old ways and their old sin. And so God says, okay, your business. It's on you. And the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, is moving through like like a Russian army, and he's just conquering every one of the people groups of the earth in that time. And Israel's just one of them. And then he takes, and what he does is, Nebuchadnezzar takes the leaders of Israel, the royal families of Israel, the top-notch people of Israel, and he takes them and and, and, and removes them from Israel and brings them to Babylon. And in Babylon, his whole goal is to indoctrinate them into the Babylonian ways. Because if he indoctrinates the leadership, then what will happen is the people will no longer fight against him and they'll all become Babylonians over time. It's the same tactic the enemy's been using on us. If I get them watching enough trash on TV, then they won't fight against me because they'll become like me. If I'll get them listening to enough of this, or I'll get them eating enough of this in their spirit, then what will happen is they'll no longer resist me, they'll just become like me. And that's what he's done. And so in this, they are now in captivity, and, and, the, and their nation is destroyed, and Jeremiah gets a word from the Lord, and the word of the Lord comes to him, he says, listen, write this and send it to him, and this is what he says. God says, go ahead and settle in, in Babylon. Go ahead and build some houses. Go ahead and get married, make some babies. Just go ahead and do it. He said, go ahead and settle in. He said, but let me tell you this, don't believe their prophets. Don't succumb to their teaching. And then we get to verse 11. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. I'm going to come. I'm going to restore. In 70 years, I'm going to bring you back home because I got a plan. And my plan is to prosper you. My plan is to give you a hope and give you a place to live again and to give you a reason for existence again. My plan that I've been working on, it all works. But here's the thing. You got to get on page with me. And if you'll get on page with me, then you'll have what my plans 
had declared that you would have. See, as this man is drawing up these plans, what will then happen is he'll then hand that over to a builder. Guess who the builders are? We're the builders. God's the designer. We're the builders. He says, this is what I want it to look like at the end of your life. This is what I want your life to be like. And he gives us the design. And then it's our role and our goal to take on the building of that life and to begin to be the people God's called us to be and do what God's called us to do. But here's the problem. Most of us are living by the blueprints of this world. And the blueprints of this world is you go to school, you make good grades. You get a good education. When you finish the education, you get a good job. You get a good job, you get married. You have some kids. You get, a, you get out of your apartment, you get a house. Or if it's in Louisiana, you get a piece of property, you get a trailer on your parents' house, on your parents' property. And then, and then whenever you got a little bit more money, you build a house on the back of their property, and then you let your trailer for your teenage daughter who just got pregnant, and you just keep recycling. <laughs> Sorry, that's how I grew up. And so we've got these plans, and we all live by them. You live by a plan, whether you realize it or not. Come on. You live by a plan that I need to be successful, so i got to do this. You don't even know what the end result of success is if you live by the world's plan. And so then what happens is, and I've done many a funeral, you get to the end of your life, and then you're getting old, and you're looking around, or now you've had a stroke, or now you're having difficulties physically, and you're looking around, your kids don't love you, and your grandkids won't come visit you, but yet you got a nice big house with a nice big pool, come on now, and, 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 and you've done some good things that you feel like you've done, but you're sitting there, and you're re- reevaluating your life and saying, what was it all about? All because you lived by the wrong That's blueprints. You man. built the wrong thing. Yeah. And so for you and I to have a life worth living, to have, to have something of significance about who we are, to, to look back on our life and say, I did what was supposed to be done. What I was created to do, I accomplished, will only come to pass when we go back and we get the blueprints of heaven and say, now, Lord, why and what am I supposed to be doing again? What is real success in this life? What am I supposed to commit my efforts and my energies here's a couple thoughts on when you and i don't have the architect's blueprint when we don't have god's blueprint at work in our life let me tell you a couple things that happen number one what you're building will ultimately fail it'll ultimately fail i love that passage in proverbs 14 12 there's a way that seems right to a man but the end thereof is death the end thereof is death i've done a lot of research on wealthy people People who have lived it to the fullest, lived the American dream. You know, money, fame, riches. Do you know at the end of their life, as they are taking their last breath, horror overtakes them. Because they realize none of it really matters. That I spent my life acquiring more, more things. I got more toys than anybody else. I, I, I lived it to the fullness. And I think that I've done the right thing. But when they, look, when they sit there at the last few moments of their life and they look back on it, all of life has been nothing more than them about them. And now as they look down into, the, into eternity, they realize I am lacking. Yeah. I have nothing. I am of no value. And my life comes to an end. Friend, listen to me. If you've got the blueprints of God and you're living by those, then what you're building will last forever. Because Jesus said, I'm building a kingdom that will never end. 
and I can go to the cross and I can give my life because I'm living by the blueprint of my Father God. I only do what I hear Him say. I only say what He says and I only do what I hear Him tell me to do. Friend, when you and I get on the same page with the Creator of the universe, when we get and we start taking out our tools and we start building what His, what his, um, his, his uh, blueprints require, then what will happen is we'll look up and go, this is something. This is something of value. That was worth giving my life. I look at little Mother Teresa who every day went out and took the dying people off the streets of Calcutta and she lived in abject poverty and she didn't have anything but she had the love of God flowing through her to a hurting person I'm not telling you go sell everything and move to India I'm just simply saying she understood the blueprint for her life and it was full of value and it was full of worth and we can call her name out and talk about her with great pride and say that was a woman of God she could get on any airplane anywhere in the world without a ticket without a passport and go anywhere she wanted to go Because of the sacrifices of walking and living according to the blueprints of heaven. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? What good is it? When you don't have the architect's blueprint, number two, confusion dominates the job. You guys that are contractor, you guys that work and build things. Can you imagine not having the blueprints? And you got the electrician standing there. and and, And you got the plumber standing there. And, and you got, you know, you got the wall builders, whatever you call them, the roofers and all that standing there. They're like, what are we going to do? I don't know. What are you doing? I don't know. I don't know where we start. I'm just, well, we plumb. We're going to start plumbing. Well, we, we electrocute, so here we go. Well, I hope it comes together. And the confusion of not having the plan. The confusion of not knowing what the end result is. Not knowing what the picture is. Let me tell you something. God didn't just give us the final picture. He started with the beginning picture. And he's got the plan all the way to the final picture. And so you and I don't have to live in confusion. If you've got confusion in your life, it's because you're not on page with God. When you're on page with God, it doesn't matter if you suffer. It doesn't matter if it doesn't go the way you thought it should go. I'm in with God. This is his plan. And if that means he sacrifices me for kingdom business, hallelujah. If that, because I'm in his plan. And his plan is the right plan. And there is no other plan that works. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Peace comes from order. Peace comes from order. If you lack peace, then you lack the order of God. Because you don't know what you're building. But when you are building according to the blueprint of heaven... It doesn't matter if it doesn't look like what everybody else is building. It's the order of God in your life. Yeah. It works. I'm good with it. I don't have to be important or popular. I'm doing what God said to do. And it works. Are you with me? Say amen. Yeah. Come on, you got quiet for a second. Number three, problems can't be corrected when you don't have the blueprints. Wow. Problems can't be corrected. See, the only reason I know that depression isn't something that I have to live with is because I've already read the blueprints and it says, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. The only reason I know that I don't need to be killing babies in the womb is because I read Jeremiah 1.5 in the blueprint. And it says, for before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And so I got the blueprint. So it gives me direction and guidance. And, and I can correct the things that aren't supposed to be there. And oh my goodness, we got to build this. God, I'm so sorry. And I just was reading in the blueprint. And I got that all cattywonkers. We just need to tear it down. Let's start over. Because we weren't supposed to build that. We weren't supposed to be doing that. That's what the world does. 
And so when you take the world's ways and you try to bring them into the plans of God, all it does is create confusion. It won't work. And that's why you see churches and people trying to do it business ways and all this kind of stuff. And God says, that's not my way. That's not, it doesn't work. That doesn't change your life. That's great that you got cool services, but are you ever seeing them full of the power of the Holy Spirit? Because that's the power that I have for them. That's the plan that I've set in place. And so you see these things working against because you're not on the same page with the blueprint of God. Are you with me? Say yes. When I was just a young man, I'd gotten saved. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. But like everyone else, the only thing I knew that I wanted to do with my life was be successful. And I didn't know if that was in sports. I was real athletic. Um, I didn't know if that was going to be in business. But I had an uncle. And uh, we grew up really poor. I had an uncle, Uncle Bo. Uncle Bo was one of the uh, wealthiest men. In fact, in the 80s, he was uh, uh, the richest man in Baton Rouge. He made it big in the oil industry and, then, of course, lost it all when it all went belly up uh, towards the mid to late 80s. But Uncle Bo would come to family reunions, and he'd hand out $20 bills. And I can remember being a poor little kid, and I was like, a $20 bill, you know, 30, 35 years ago was like a $100 bill these days. And I remember saying in my heart, I'm going to be like that. I'm never going to be poor again. I'm going to be able to do whatever I want to do, how I want to. And he'd pull up in his Ferrari at a family reunion. And we were all like, oh, Uncle Bo's the man. I want to be like Uncle Bo, man. I want to be like Uncle Bo. We start combing our hair to the side like Uncle Bo. We want to be rich, man. I mean, when you've been poor, rich sounds a lot better. Come on, somebody. I want to be like Uncle Bo. And I had set in my heart that I would do whatever it took. If I had to kill, steal, it wouldn't matter. I'm going to be poor. I mean, I'm not going to be poor. I'm going to be rich. <laughs> and I got saved and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I was sitting in one of these meetings in one of these youth services. And the guy preaching was horrible. Oh, my God, he was terrible. Some of you heard me tell this story a billion times before, but it's mine, so I'll tell it again. So I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm so bored. And you got to understand, if you think I'm ADDDD right now, you should have met me when I was a kid. I was the teacher's, I was the one the teacher just said, listen, you just, just go outside and run in circles. I don't know. Just get out of my class. I don't care what you do. I don't care. And so... So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, this is so boring. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I had a piece of paper, so I start making a paper airplane. They're making a paper airplane, and I'm sitting there, and there's this little nerdy dude over here. He's, Amen. That's good, preacher. Amen. I'm like, are you so stupid? Oh, my God. So I'm sitting here like that, and I'm sitting next to my buddies. I'm like, dude, watch this. Watch this right there. Watch. So as the preacher preaching, he turns this way, and as he turns looking that way, I stand up with my little paper, and I made it like a dart. I made it like half the normal size. It's like a little dart. And I stand up, and I just chunk it like that. And I promise you, every demon in hell guided that little paper airplane. (laughs) Stick right in his temple. And he goes, ah, ah, like a little girl. He's like, ah. And all my friends are like, you know, man, you know, man. Like, oh my goodness, what happened? You okay? Go ahead, preacher. It's good. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so, you know, it's 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 one of those. And so, all the adult leaders are like, who did it? And I'm playing it off. I'm like, oh my goodness, is he okay? Hmm. I don't know. Keep preaching. Come on. It's so good. About that time, the guy preaching stops, and he looks right back at me. He says, son, you, right here, come here. 
And I did like you would have done when you were a teenager. Me? Who's talking to you? Son, you right there, blonde hair. Come, come. In those days, they had blonde hair. Say, come. Yeah, you with the fuchsia shirt. Come, come, come. It was the 80s, you know? <laughs> had my name airbrushed across it. Never forget that shirt. <laughs> so I came down. And the whole way I'm walking down, I'm thinking of the lies, you know? It's amazing in 30 seconds how many lies you can come up with. It's unbelievable. I'm thinking the whole time, man, I ain't do it. I ain't, I ain't throw that. I can't and then I realized my name's on the piece of paper. I'd forgotten. My name is on. So I'm toast. So I'm getting closer. Like, man, I, I, okay. All right, see, what happened was I had made the airplane, and my friend, I was just holding it because I was going to throw it, like, outside after the service. And, but my friend hit my hand, and it just flew over there. Man, that ain't going to work. That's not a good one. Oh, I got it. I got it. Okay, see, what happened was I made it. It was sitting on my lap. And I don't know if you felt it up front, but in the back, the power of the Holy Ghost began to shake back there. And the wind of God came through and picked that bad boy up and shot it across. I don't know what happened. It was amazing. You mad, you got to talk to God because I ain't do it. And I get all the way up there and he goes, son, lift your hands and close your eyes. I'm like, heck no. I'm from the hood. We don't ever, if I'm lifting my hands, I ain't closing my eyes. (laughs) I'm not about to close my eyes. Like, okay, go ahead, stab me. I mean, that ain't going to happen. Punch me all you want because I don't want to see it coming. No, heck no, I ain't doing it. He goes, lift your hands. So I lift my hands. He said, close your eyes. I'm like, uh-uh, I ain't closing my eyes. He said, close your eyes. So I did one of those like that where you can still see him. And I'm looking at him, and he says, this is what God says. God says, you're like Dennis the Menace. And all the youth leaders like, come on now, you got him now. Hallelujah. That's the word. I'm like, shut up, y'all don't know me. He said, God says you're like Dennis the Menace. But God says he's going to put you on platforms around the world. You're going to bring in the end time harvest. That you're going to stand, you're going to preach, you're going to lay hands on people with demons. They're going to come out and you're going to dance and shout and rejoice. You're going to lay hands on sick people. They're going to get healed. God said he's going to use you to bring in the last day's revival. You're going to be part, part of that group that are going to be the revivalists. By the time he got halfway into it, the Spirit of the Lord's on me so hot and heavy that I am weeping uncontrollably. I'm one of those, <laughs> you know the kind where snot's just coming out, you know, and you're, and you're grabbing it and you don't know what to do with it. You just hold it in your hand. <laughs> And your shirt's all crusty later, you know what I'm saying? But in that moment, for the first time in my life, I had a glimpse of the blueprint. And in that moment, I didn't want to be Uncle Bo anymore. I didn't want to be rich anymore. I didn't want to have big houses and big cars. It didn't matter because I'd seen the blueprint. And I saw that what God had was so much better because he's the great architect and he knows what he's doing and he created me and by creating me he knows what fulfills me and if I can just get another glimpse and stay in the in the blueprints of God then life will have meaning and my kids will say my dad was a man of God and my and my friends will say I don't know about anybody else but that dude was legit and I don't know about this I don't know about that but that man lived every day with purpose and a plan and he lived it to the fullest and when I get to the end of it all and I'm standing there looking back over my pathway and Jesus walks up behind me and he'll whisper in my ear well done Good job. 
And it won't matter if they wrote about me in the magazines. It won't matter if I didn't make American Idol. It won't matter if tens of millions of people came to my church or not. As long as I do what's in the blueprint. Then what I built and what my life's work was all about, I can stand back and say, Lord, I, I did my best. And I'll hear him say, well done. Well done. But it doesn't look like Bishop Jakes. It doesn't matter. That's what you were supposed to do. Well done. But it's not like, what's her name? God, if, I, if you need to give me more time or if I'd have been smarter, I might could. Well done. You did what I needed you to do. That was your role and your part. I want to give you a couple of thoughts. Three pieces that are in all of our blueprints. Three pieces that I find in Scripture that every one of us have in our blueprints. And there are the building blocks. See, every one of us have a little different pathway. A little something here that makes us a little bit more significant that God wants to use us in. But all of us have three major building pieces. No matter what kind of building he's building, he's going to build a floor, a foundation, he's going to build walls, and he's going to build a roof. No matter what he does, no matter what it looks like, no matter the design of it, no matter how many walls he puts on the interior, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, all the things, the basic three big pieces are the floor, the walls, and the roof. And I want to point those out to you that each and every one of us right now can go back to the blueprint and say, I don't even have a good flooring. I need to get that straight. Man, my walls aren't even up because I didn't even know that was part of the blueprint and I need to get that straight. I don't have a good roof system and I need to go back and get that. So let me point you those three things out. Are you still there? Say yes. yes. Number one, we were created in God's image. Okay, that's Genesis 1:27. You were created in God's image. Therefore, you're supposed to look like God, talk like God, act like God. He create, that was in his blueprints from the very beginning. I'm going to create man in my image. He didn't create, he didn't cre- he didn't create uh, uh, y- you know, a fish in his image. He didn't, he didn't create the, the, the eagle in his image. He created us yeah. in his image. We're supposed to be his representation on the earth. We're supposed to look. When, when creation sees us, they're supposed to see God. Yeah. Humanity's supposed to look at us and see God. But what happened was, over the years, the blueprint got lost. And humanity stopped looking so much like God, come on now, and started looking like who? Jesus said, your father, Satan. Wow. And we, we became perverted in who we were. We no longer loved unconditionally like God did. We no longer walked in peace. We no longer had authority. We began to be subjected to the new blueprint that we were now building on and the pathway we were on and the plan that we were living in and the plan that we were working and the strategy that we were after and it no longer looked like God. So what did God the Father do? He said, I'm going to send you another pattern. I'm going to send my son Jesus. He looks like me, acts like me, talks like me, is me. And now all you got to do, I'm going to put a pattern. I'm going to put a living, breathing blueprint in front of you and you just do what he does and so the starting point the foundation of making sure you're building something of value a life worth living is do you look like act like and talk like Jesus because if you don't start there that's where you go back and say look forget these plans I'm going back to the God plan and I'm going to start looking like acting like talking like and being like Jesus why because what we're building will it last what will be the value of your life? Who will care? My grandmother died, a bitter old lady, because my grandfather left her for another woman. She got saved just a couple years before her death. At her funeral, there were 100 people, and 90 of them were my friends. And the other 10 were her family. 
no friends, nobody cared, because my grandmother built her life by a blueprint of bitterness and hatred. She never once peered into the blueprints of God for her life. And so she missed it. She ended up in heaven by the skin of her teeth. But her life was a life not very valuable. And did not have much significance. And didn't touch too many people. The second piece, the walls, if you will, of the design that God has for you and I, is that we were created to overcome. If verse 27 of Genesis 1 says that we were created in God's image, verse 28 says, and that we are to have dominion and rule over the earth. Now, I'm not going to teach you some theology about dominion theology or kingdom now theology. But I am going to teach you that we're supposed to overcome. Because the scriptures are clear. You are to overcome. You're not supposed to be overcome by depression. You got the wrong blueprints. You're not supposed to be overcome by perversion. And hatred. You're not supposed to be so selfish and so self-focused and so selfishly ambitious that, that, that you somehow are building something for yourself. For what? So your kids can have a nicer house than you had? Who cares? Man, what you went through to get to this house, they need to go through because it created character in you that they don't have yet because you're giving them everything. What you're trying to save them from is the very thing they need. Get them back to the blueprint of God. Stop making your own blueprints off to the side. The great architect knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing if we'll just trust him. We were created to overcome. That's why the Holy Spirit was sent to the earth. Jesus was sent to the earth to give us the pattern how to look like God and act like God again. Because in Genesis 1, 27, he said, I'm going to create you in my image. By the time Jesus came around, we didn't look like God anymore. So he sent Jesus. And he said, all right, look like him, act like him. Okay, that's who I follow. That's That's the blueprint. And then he said, you know what? Go and rule and reign over the earth. In, cha- in chapter 1 of Genesis and verse 28, we had been reigning and ruling for thousands of years. The enemy's been reigning and ruling, dictating to us whether we're insecure or not, determining to us whether or not we're going to live or die by putting sickness and disease on us. And so what did God do? He said, I, I, you know what? I'm going to make you an overcomer. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will empower you to overcome all the works of the enemy. And then the third area, the roof, if you will, we were created to worship. You were created to worship Jesus. That's why it's foolish of you to come in here on a Sunday especially and say, I don't really know if I like the songs. It's not really my style. Eh. Mm. I, don't really, mm. I don't really like that whole lifting my hands and singing stuff. I just like to think about it in my mind. Friend, you were created to worship. We're the only, we're the only being on the planet that walks uprightly giving praise back to our creator. Wow. All the other ones walk like this. We were created to worship. We were created to give him the praise that he deserves. That's what you were created for. If you don't do anything else, if you get those three building uh, spots uh, uh, rightly in order in your home, in your house, in your spiritual life, if you get those, you'll have a house worth living in. You'll have something worth looking back on. You'll have something that said, you know what, he was an overcomer. I tell you what, she looked like Jesus. She acted like you. I tell you one thing, she was always worshiping God. I'm telling you, you couldn't get a word in it. Hold on just a second. Let me get my glory shout on. Hallelujah. All right, I got it. Now go ahead. What was you saying? And we begin to learn to worship and worship and worship. And the Bible says his glory comes down. He fills the vessel that's full of worship for him. We were talking about Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Well, if you keep reading verse 12, and he says this, but I'll only give it to you if you'll call on me 
and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, you will be found. I, I, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. Listen to me. You want to come out of captivity? Start worshiping. I was created to worship. I was created to sing your goodness and your praise all the days of my life because who you worship is who you serve. So if you're always talking about how bad your job is, see, you're serving that. If you're always talking about next, you know, the next TV show, you're serving that. But who you worship is who you serve. And so you should be walking throughout the day. I love you, Jesus. I bless your holy name. I worship you for you are magnificent and wonderful. And I, my life is surrendered to you in every part of my being. Now listen, even if you don't believe all that, let me tell you about this. God created in Genesis this life that we're living in. This planet that we're living on. The systems, the way the sun and the moon rise and fall. The way the oceans stop and start. He created that. He created a world where man had choice. He created a world where he walked with man and talked with man, but our sin separated us from him. And Satan came in and became the dominant factor over the children of the living God. Oh, but John, the revelator, he saw a new blueprint. In John chapter 21 and verse 1, he said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Come on now. He said, but the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and he will be their God. And he will, be, uh, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death and no more mourning or crying or pain because the old order of things have passed away. Listen to me. You get the blueprint right on this earth and I promise you there's a new one waiting for us. There's a new place, a new heaven, a new home for us who call upon the name of the Lord. Oh, he's building it. It's magnificent. And he's going to dwell with us. We won't have to pray to a God we can't see. And hope to sense the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we're confused about it. He will be ever present. There'll be no, there'll no, be no discomfort. There'll be no tears. There'll be no sickness. There'll be, be no disease. Friend, listen to me. The great architect is working again. He's designing again, and he's designing it for us who believe. I would close with these last couple of thoughts. There's a blueprint with your name on it. There's a design and a plan, and God's doing his best to oversee that plan, but he's put the tool belt around your waist. And my question to you is, what are you building? What is your life? What meaning does it really have? Fast forward. 30 years from now, if you have that many. 40 years, if you have that many. And you look back, what will you be able to say you did? Is your life simply eating and drinking and surviving? Or is your life about the blueprint of God? Where you can say, you know what, I wasn't, I wasn't the smartest. I wasn't the most spiritual. But I tell you what, I had my foundation right. I looked like Jesus, act like the best I knew how. I tell you what, I wasn't as great as some of those other guys, but I had some good walls up. I'm going to tell you right now, I was overcoming. 
I went, the cancer didn't take me down. I prayed through until it broke itself off of me. I didn't, I didn't you know, I, I was molested as a child, and I had a tendency to be a pervert. But I'll tell you what, I overcame it by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I'll tell you one thing. I, I, I used to have these problems and issues with anger and all that, but I learned to worship him. I put a roof over the top of my head, and I was sealed in his presence because I learned every day and every night I'm going to worship the Lord my God. I'm not going to give anything else my full attention. Nothing else is going to steal my joy, steal my hope, steal my pleasure. My pleasure is in him, and I worship him and him alone. For now, I'll tell you something. You better get the right blueprint working in your life because you're going to look up, and you're going to say, what have I done with my life? What have I been doing? What, what did I think? How, you know, I, I, I told the first service, I, I loved, I, I don't know, I just had this love in my heart for Michael Jackson. I don't know why. I just, I felt sorry for him a little bit, I guess. I guess I really respected his talent. And I would pray for him every other day, I guarantee it. If not every day, every other day, I'd pray, oh God, save Michael Jackson. Because I recognized a man who was gifted. I, rec- I recognize a, g- a man who God had fashioned and formed. And I believe with all of my heart that man was called to bring great revival to the United States. I believe that man was called to literally win young kids. I, I think he had this affinity towards kids. It turned perverted because the enemy always takes the blueprints and turns them more perverted. I-, I believe that God wanted to use that man for his glory to change the world. I believe he had the giftings for it. I believe he had the talents for it. He just had the wrong set of blueprints. And I look out across this room and I wonder... How many giftings and talents are being wasted on the wrong set of blueprints? And so it's with that, with all humility, that I appeal to you to check. What do you pattern your life after? What have you, what have you been about doing and why? Does it line up with the blueprints of heaven? Would you bow your heads with me all across the room? You've been so magnificent to let me minister.